The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Learn to quiet the noise of the ego and connect to the truth of your soul. Join former monk and host of the Practicing Human podcast, Corey Mascara, for Living in Alignment, a weekend workshop live stream, live from Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, June 28th through 30th. Rebuild your life from a place of embodied listening and quiet knowing. To learn more and register for this live stream, go to eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to the Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to know that here we are, and it's Wednesday again, and, and we are lining and um, looking at the ideas of intentional spirit, and so... What we know for sure and what I love about this show is it reminds me every week of what it's like to be intentional. Intentional super exceeds goals and vision boards and, you know, all those beautiful tools that we all use. But to be intentional means you keep going in a forward direction. You're not waiting on external things in your life to work out. You're not waiting on the kids to go to college. You're not waking, waiting until you fall in love again or until your best person or your spouse or whatever, till you leave them and get another. You are about being intentional right now. And I, I love that. I think that things like perfectionism and excuses is what keeps a lot of dreams from ever being realized. Well, that is not the case today. <laughs> I already can tell that this guy's energy is going to be off the chart. Because when I start out off the chart, that means I am intuitively feeling the guest. So, Mike Anthony, it's all your fault. Welcome to our show today. <laughs> Hi, Temple. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Oh, I am just so tickled to have you and, you know, you bring uh, just a life of storytelling and, and spending all those years as a as a bartender. What an experience it must have been to be in one of the surrounded by one of the most talked about Broadway musicals ever, uh, Hamilton. Um, just kudos to all of you because it, it did take all of you to, you know, have those experience and we are all better people for it. But we are here today because you have learned a lot of secrets about life. And I am so excited for you to tell us all about that. Yeah, yeah, I had uh, quite an experience after uh, my dad died that completely changed my sense of of reality, of what life is and death is, uh, and really just uh, it has altered the entire spectrum of my existence. Um, so just to, to backtrack a little bit, I, before I became, you know, I'm an actor and a bartender, uh, and that's my day job bartending at Hamilton. Um, but before all of that, I had intended to be a science teacher. I, I went to college to be a high school science teacher. Uh, oh. and yeah. 
And you know what science, what mainstream science says about death is very clear. Uh, you know, they say it's it's unequivocal that that consciousness is an effect created by the brain. It's just an illusion created by electrical and chemical reactions happening in our brains. And when the brain uh, stops getting oxygen, that's the end of the story. Uh, and though I've never entirely believed that, you know, I've always had a sense that we're, there's a lot more going on uh, that beats the eye and, and that then our scientific instruments can, can reach. Um, when my dad died, uh, I was being crushed by every uh, lecture any biology professor had ever given me. You know, all I could think about was the possibility that he truly did disappear forever. Uh, and that thought was just uh, you know, it, it was like getting getting hit uh, in the head with a brick. It really, uh, I was having, my, not just me, but my family as well, we were having trouble, um, w you know, wondering what the point to anything could be. If someone as amazing as my father, we, we my dad was a real special guy and we were uh, very close. Uh, and if someone as incredible as that could, could just be gone instantaneously a, a, as though he'd never been here before, you know, why am I going to leave my apartment today? What's the point of doing anything at all if we entirely just disappear and we're just a blip, just a blip on the infinite uh, radar of, of time and space of the universe, you know? Uh, so that's the place that I was in when my father, uh, no longer in a body, made it his absolute mission to, to, to make sure that I knew my biology professor's did not have the whole story and uh and that's what he did oh gosh i just i absolutely love this and what year did your did your father die 2011 so 10 years 2011 yeah it's a it it is uh something i i remember when my dad died i was 40 something and i remember going I don't think I'll ever feel the same again. I I remember that I like the cavity of my heart, that chest, it 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 ached. And I used to think Mike that those were just country music songs and they sold more copies because the more heartache they could talk about, you know, the better they would sell. But I was living in that experience of realizing that I had a physical heartache. I mean, it was such a deep uh, woundology inside of me. And I had, and I'm, you know, unity and metaphysical and know that nobody really dies and all that. But it, it took a little while emotionally to move back to what I really knew and, um, and to open up, uh, you know, to my dad talking to me and everything. But anyway, I'm just saying I, I in one way, I, I don't think we ever know how somebody else feels but I definitely relate. I was just so excited to talk to you today because uh, the conversation that you have in your book, Love Dad, is so necessary for children, for families to read, um, because we are so duped in this little tiny speck of the universe being told that it's over, you know, and all that. Because it's, in a way, I guess it's just beginning, isn't it? Yes. Um... I mean, what I ended up learning through my through my journey, 
And it was a long journey. You know, it, it, it unfolded over the, the past decade, um, culminating in an event, which I write about in the book, that let me know without a doubt, 100%, we are more than our bodies and science is wrong. Um, I witnessed something, something happened uh, to me that uh, was, was unequivocal. You know, it was, it was, it was um, there, there, there were no shadow areas. There was no interpretation about this. It happened and the people that I was with saw it happen with me. Um, you know, it was a real, an objectively real event. And when that happened, um, I realized that that the the entire time that I'd been experiencing things that felt to me like real genuine evidence that my dad had survived the the death of his physical body, um, my mind kept on going back to all of these scientists that I've looked up to for my my whole life. You know, I'm I, I'm someone who has great respect for the human intellect and what the brain is able to do and and what we've been able to accomplish with it, and the fact that so many people much smarter than me. You know, I mean, I'm a bartender, right? I'm a guy of average intelligence. People much smarter than me are telling me in every science book I've ever read that uh, I must be missing something when I think I'm getting evidence of my dad's survival. Uh, somehow I must be being fooled. Um, but when I had the final experience that I had, I, I now know without question that no matter how smart those scientists are, no matter how many Nobel prizes might be sitting on the shelf behind them, uh, if they say there is nothing beyond death or that consciousness is created by the brain and confined by the skull, I know that they're wrong about that. So yes, I think that you're right. It's, it's so important to get this information out there because at a fundamental level, it changes everything, right? It, it means because what, what I now know to be true is true, it means that the fundamentals of our science are, are incomplete. You know, the very foundations upon which uh, most of our science is built, though it's great for everyday things, you know, it's great for uh, making high speed trains and making computers and landing probes on Mars and doing all of this amazing stuff uh, at a macro level. When it gets down to the actual fundamental level of where the universe uh, comes from, what, what it's made from, how it operates, uh, we, we just don't have those answers. Uh, so for science to be so authoritatively telling people in college classrooms all over the world that there's no evidence for life after death, um, or that there's no evidence for, quote-unquote, uh, psychic ability or ESP or anything psi-related. Um, you know, it's just, they're just wrong about that on such a major front. On such a major front, uh, we are giving out incomplete information. And that's why it's so important that, you know, successful people like you, you know, come forward. Um, you know, many people have been saying this uh, for forever, uh, but people mm -hmm. tend to, you know, because they might dress a certain way or be a certain way or, or be from a certain ethnic group, they go, oh yeah, that's woo woo. Uh, that's not, you know, that's not really true. But um, I can't imagine that, you know, I can't imagine that we live in 2021. And first of all, people don't know that we're here time and time and time again. And just like we teach here, uh, you know, energy never dies. Um, 
and um, you might be kind of surprised to hear that I literally have a team that every night at the end of the night when I'm calling into because I believe in the sleep state that's like when the day's beginning you know and so I honor a lot of things and you know Saint Germain and Sai Baba and you know creator and all that but I have a team of people that are some are well known some are not but people I've known in my life and they are dead as far as physically but they're on my team and I I call them in every night and I say, thank you for helping me, you know, and supporting me. And, <laughs> you know, and I, uh, yeah. I, I'm as serious as the day is long. I do have been doing that for a very long time and have been communicating with uh, friends that have died, individuals that have died. Uh, they come through on phones. Uh, some of them give me the code of their birthday. I mean, there's a very active life. And I, I love that that's your call is like, wake up, people. There's a whole world that's going on that you've been misled and duped and, you know, driven to all these things and the fear of death because if you're afraid to die, you're afraid to live and you take drugs and then you do this. And it's just the whole thing. It's just so when yeah. someone like you like trailblazes and goes, here you go. I mean, I know a woman author. We featured her a lot. The two of you ought to get together. Jamie Turndor, her husband died in Italy. Um, he comes through on her computer all the time. They love Paris. She'll just be giving a workshop, and the, a big old picture of the Eiffel Tower comes through on her, her computer. Wow. So it's like, it's so cool, and your work is necessary. And we just barely have made a dent in uh, people listening and people understanding and opening up to it. It's It's like I say, you know, it's like social media. If you don't engage with those connections you have, they're not there to you. And that's the same yeah. as people that are on this veil. If you don't engage to them, yeah, they they have died. But if you engage, they are alive. There's that consciousness. Anyway, enough of that. Just know that I love what you're doing. And anything I can do to help, I'm in. Because oh, it's, uh, it's so that. necessary. It's going to expand humanity. Um, and I, I think we'll all double and triple our life expectancy because we won't be living in an unnatural state. To me, we live now in an unnatural state. We are not aligned with the presence of what is nature to us and what is natural. And you are part of that change. So I'm clapping for you right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you that, you know, one of the things that I spend a lot of time uh, doing now is talking with people and interacting with people who have had near death experiences. Uh, you know, so people who have who have been clinically dead and then and then uh, have gone on to have the most uh, real, uh, realer than real experience of their lives. And um, one of the things that they always say, and Dr. Bruce Grayson just wrote about this in his new book called After, um, is that. Not, not only are they not afraid to die anymore, they're, they're, they completely lose the fear of death. They also lose the fear of life, which is what you just said. And, and I think that's the important part of this whole thing um, is, is when you're not so focused anymore on, on the end of the journey, the journey itself can now be focused on. You know, if you're not worried so much about how it ends, you can have a good time getting there 
because you're not worried about where it's headed. You know, you know, you know where it's going eventually. And now you can just enjoy the ride. And there's got to be a reason, in my opinion, that we come here. And, and as you also mentioned, uh, we come here time and time again. And the scientific evidence for that is extraordinary. Uh, if you if anyone doubts, they can go and look at the University of Virginia's work. It's exemplary. It's astounding. Uh, there's a ton of it. Um, and there's got to be a reason, I think, that we keep coming back here time and again for, for learning or, or whatever it is. And um, it, again, if we're not if we don't have the end of life as a as something that's constantly sort of on our minds, even in the background, maybe we can get some more learning done because we're able to focus more on the moment. Uh, so I, I agree with you completely that it's just really important information uh, to, to put out there. Is it, well, did you did you go through any process, um, <laughs> you know, to like to say, here I am. My name is Mike Anthony. By the way, everyone, you can go to MikeAnthony.com and engage. And it's got some wonderful videos and things also and to buy the book right away. Uh, we must be part of the change, as uh, as Gandhi has said and, and what we know. Um, did it take. Um, I know the first time I talked about being an alcoholic, I, you know, I was very sweaty. And the first time I talked mm. about being gay, I was like almost fainted, but nobody else died and I didn't either. But did you, <laughs> did you go through, did you go through anything like any kind of hesitancy? Uh, did you know right away this is yours to do? I always love the story behind the story. Was there any kind of process with you being an author and all of that? Um, there has been some, there's some minor hesitancy, uh, in, in that the, like what I wrote about at the very end of the book, again, the experience that I had is so far beyond what the average person, uh, thinks of as possible that I did worry they might get to that part of the book and then think, oh my gosh, this guy's just nuts. And then discount <laughs> everything else I've ever, <laughs> I've ever written. Uh, but but the, 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 again, the hesitancy was minor. I, um, overall, I, I've been blessed uh, with a, a family that is uh, incredibly supportive, um, and they they were behind me one hundred percent as I took this particular journey. Um, and they they were experiencing these things right along with me, so they they knew that I wasn't just losing my mind. You know, they were having these experiences as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I do sometimes now. I'll I'll be whispering. Uh, I'll notice. I'll be out at like a coffee shop talking about things like this, and I'll I'll get to the word ectoplasm, and I'll have to whisper that word uh, and things of that nature. But but by and large, you know, yeah, I'm I'm out. I'm an open book. Uh, uh, Life at Hamilton, which is the first book that I wrote, uh, is very, I'm very open uh, about my life and my feelings and all of that stuff. Uh, so no, it, it, it feels uh, like, um, this is what I was supposed to be doing. You know, it really feels like I, I, I I'm sort of the, uh, I imagine myself as sort of like the every man sort of a guy, just this average human being um, and uh, who, who who can act maybe as sort of a bridge uh, in some cases between people who might be on the very skeptical end of the spectrum 
um, and the truth of of the matter. Uh, so yeah, no, I feel I feel very comfortable talking about this stuff now, by and large. And um, again, it, you know, it's the it's the truth, <laughs> you know. So now I've gotten to the point where, um, you know, there are certainly people I've come into contact with. Uh, that it, it, it's not long before I realize that I'm not much progress is going to be made here. You know, uh, some people have a, a wall up um, that is impenetrable for for whatever reason, and this stuff is is not able to get through. You know, you were mentioning before about you know the frequency sort of of all of this stuff, and I do think there is something to this that uh, if you alter your your energy and your frequency, it can make it easier for these people who are not in a body anymore, who are obviously operating now at a different frequency, perhaps a higher frequency, uh, it can make it easier for that contact to be made, I, I think, you know? Uh, and, and so for, for some people, um, they, they, they just have, uh, the, for whatever reason, they, they have this shell, uh, perhaps, that, that they're in uh, when it comes to certain topics. And that shell is just not going to be uh, gotten through in this lifetime, maybe. Um, and so for people like that, I, I just say, well, it, it, I mean, absolutely to each their own. I, I'm not trying to obviously uh, force this stuff on anybody or convert anybody to anything. I'm just saying, listen, uh, your life could be happier. <laughs> if you if you if you knew about some of the stuff that that is true, that is out there, that there is evidence for um, it could make it could make things easier uh, in your life. So um, that, that's where I am at this point. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, the evolution for um, for people like us that become more and more public or more and more, if you will, just living out loud and unedited I like to call it just an unedited life just like you know you're not thinking about I mean I have come a long way from being the what somebody liked is what I talked about do you know what I mean or what somebody's comfort level was and being the chameleon and and now it's funny I have that same thought like they're probably gonna you know my used to I go what if they think I'm crazy and now it's like I hope they do. That's such a compliment. You know, it's <laughs> such nice. a compliment because it it's wonderful because it means you're like, oh my God, what a concept! Like being original. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept to be original. I mean, isn't that what it's really supposed to be about? It's absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it, it's fascinating for for sure. Um, but I love that you've kind of walked everybody through the process because to me, you're also giving some people out there that are on the fence that are, aren't ready to come out about whatever they believe. And uh, I think it helps to tell those stories because it heals that visionary shadow, you know, that hesitancy. So, you know, good for you. And uh, your excitement is measurable. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I've always been a, a, a pretty happy guy and a pretty optimistic guy, you know. Uh, but after now that I've had the experiences that I've had, uh, that my not that I've had the experiences that my father has given to me, this amazing gift that my dad has given us, um, I'm even I'm happier even than I've ever been. I feel lighter than I've ever been. Um, and, and that was the whole reason that I wrote the book. And I, I started making this documentary and started talking about it more and more is because I felt like it wasn't fair 
to keep this kind of thing to myself. I mean, I mean this is the sort of information that should be uh, available for anyone to have if they if they want it. Be, because um, again, uh, people you you can be living um, a lighter life and and a happier life um, if you're if you're open to uh, investigating the stuff that's out there. And again, you know, I I spend a lot of my time talking mostly to people who are probably more on the skeptical end of the spectrum, which is fine with me because, because I totally understand people um, who need, who require evidence. All that I'm saying is the evidence is out there. Uh, you may just not have noticed it or looked in the right places for it. Um, and for various reasons, it's, it tends to be kept out of the mainstream um, circles, even in, even in academic circles, but, but it is there. Um, and if you take a look at it, in my mind, any open, rationally minded person who looks at the evidence that is out there cannot come away without being changed by that evidence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when we come back after break, I want to I want to ask you some ideas and some thoughts that I've had about because I, I want to hear you highlight a little bit more about a vibration of receiving and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's very interesting and healing and forgiving and what that could look like. I find that very exciting, but I think people like you and Jamie and uh, Raymond Moody, you know, life after death and some other people that I know uh, that are on the circuit or like Evan Alexander, I think y'all all need to get together and just funnel <laughs> this concept really and, uh, you know, make films about this. I mean, we need good movies about this and good documentaries about this because it's so needed. It's so, you know, necessary. We've got to get to more shows other than, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, and boy gets girl back, or, you know, let's shoot up and bang up. We need some of this information out there in a in a larger way. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I just continue to appreciate you as an audience and appreciate you sharing our shows with other people and, and your network. It, it certainly means a lot. You can go on firstunity.org and find out our playground and different things that we're about. It's people like Mike that we love to bring in and have lectures and series and our institute. We love to teach people a much broader way of life, and you can find all that information on our website. I also appreciate you visiting me at templehays.com. And we love hearing what you love to hear about. And I know you're having a ball today because I know I am. And it's funny when we're talking about the dying people don't really die. <laughs> Mike, it's like you're in, I feel like I've had a cup of espresso already. So I'm thinking there's a lot of people <laughs> in my office right now, though I can't see them. But they're all here going, yay, we need this information to get out there. And I'm not kidding and I'm not being facetious. I am being as real as it gets. So everybody, I want you to tune in on Mike Anthony. Go to his website, learn more about him and you know what he's doing, and get on this get on this trip with us. Uh, living people never die. That's just the absolute factual truth of it. We'll be right back after this break. All are welcome. 
We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being here. And we are talking to Mike Anthony today. You can go to his website, Mike Anthony. He obviously has uh, other things. He has the book, Life at Hamilton. But today we're kind of tuning in on the book that's very important you know, to his heart and important for our world at large. Um, and the title is Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. Wow. Imagine that. Feel that in. And, you know, um, Mike and I were talking during break. I mean, our, our hope and knowing is that the more people have these conversations and the more people wake up, the more this will start, uh, you know, happening. I And even if you're like from like following scripture. I mean, Jesus said in my house, there are many mansions, excuse me. There's window, many windows in which we never die. And we are alive in all those dimensions. So Mike, again, it, it's a pleasure to have you. And I'm, I'm sure the book is, um, it's already a tremendous success. And I'm, I'm glad that in some way we get to be, we get to be part of it. One of the things that I've been, um, that I think about because, um, these ideas I have felt um, since I don't know when, you know, since I'm going into 20 or something, or I always felt like, you know, living people never died. And I, I remember having one of the first cars that you have the screen that things would show up on the screen. And on this particular car, you could enter dates, uh, you could enter birthdays and things as reminders. It was a Buick Riata, it was kind of unique. And I remember down the road, uh, late one night, I was talking to my grandfather, and I said, if you're alive, show me a sign, if you're still alive. Now, he had been gone a long, long time. But, you know, I want to feel your presence. I want to know you're right here with me. And bam, on that calendar, it lit up, and it had my name and my birthday in that second. Bam! You know, um, I've I've had uh, my relatives speak to me, guide me. Um, show me things. I, I just, I just love it all. But the question that I wanted to um, ponder a bit with you is: I have noticed in my life, if I have some undone stuff with a person, so let's just say dad, because hopefully I don't have much undone stuff with people, but with my dad I did. What I observed is when I cleared that up, when I cleaned that up that's when he started coming. Do you, in your studies, in your research, because you've done a lot with this, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, so now we'll get it. This is sort of more my instinct on all of this stuff. Um, This is stuff that science won't be able to help us with too much. Um, Yeah, you know, who knows how the mechanics of exactly how all of this works. Um, I was lucky in in the fact that my dad and I were incredibly close. And um, thank goodness, uh, I mean, the very last words we said to each other were, I love you. Um, so, but but I, I have had been in contact with many people who were had did not have that um th- you know they they may have been in a situation where they were even fighting 
uh, for instance, you know, like, uh, sadly, maybe the last words they even said out of just anger uh, is I hate you, you know, uh-huh. um, and which is a terrible thing for a person to have to go through <clears throat> and to feel, the, especially if you think there is no, no life after death, and then you're stuck thinking that that's, that's the last words that you've ever said and that that person will ever hear. Um, it's now my, my belief that uh, our loved ones on the other side, for lack of a better word, because I don't really know that there are sides. I think that really this is just a broad spectrum, um, and we're in our spot on the spectrum, our frequency level of the spectrum, and they're at their frequency level of the spectrum. And the only thing that separates us are those vibrations, the difference in vibration. That's my own personal sort of take on this. But we'll say the other side, just, just for the sake of ease. Um my sense is that when people are no longer in a human brain, uh, which is an amazing thing, a human brain, right? It's an amazing apparatus, but it is physical in nature, and uh, it is used to navigate very successfully, usually, this physical world. But what we're talking about is, uh, is consciousness. And in my view, given the evidence that I've now seen, Consciousness is something that exists outside and independent of the human brain. And as many people have, have, have said and used this analogy, um, it's my now conclusion that the brain acts, in a sense, as a receiver, as like a radio receiver um, that tunes in to, to pick up our whatever uh, frequency our, individu- our individual consciousness is. Um, and... It is inside of the brain, apparently, that things like anger and jealousy and all of these negative things, quote unquote, negative things happen. Um, I believe that those are uh, generated on on this side of the, 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 the brain side of things. And people who have near-death experiences, which is, again, a, a thing I'm fascinated by, and we now have thousands upon thousands of uh, case reports of near-death experiences. <clears throat> People say quite often that when they die and they come out of their body and their brain is now you know, clinically dead, there's no discernible brain activity uh, in their brain. If, for instance, they're in the middle of an operation, so they're hooked up to all of the monitoring equipment so we know there's no cardiac or brain activity. People say that they have an experience unlike any they've ever had before. Um, there are no more limits on their thinking. Their thinking becomes hyper clear. Um, everything suddenly makes sense. And something they never talk about often are things like anger or um, fear. You know, they're, they're having this experience of, of bliss often and um, unconditional love. And we use the words unconditional love a lot. But I don't think, I think as a human being, while we're operating through a human brain, I think it's really hard to practice actual unconditional love, right? That, that's not easy to do inside of a human brain. But people who, who die and are no longer in a human brain and are now experiencing from this expanded perspective, um, they talk about now actually knowing what unconditional love feels like and they understand the reasons why a person who maybe was hurtful to them in their lives they sometimes can understand what made that person be that way they can understand 
um, that they were hurt somewhere down the line. And that ended up rippling out um, into, into more hurt coming through them. So all of that is to say that it's my sense that our loved ones, even if we've had a strained relationship with them on this side, while, while we were both together experiencing through human brains, even if that relationship has been difficult, um, from, from what I've been told through mediums, so again, this is not scientific. This is just my experience. This is anecdotal. Um, the mediums have, have said that, that our loved ones do not hold on to that stuff. Um, and they are there now open and waiting to connect with us. So like you said, once we clear that up, because I think they also understand on the other side that it is our right while in a human brain to be angry, to hold these resentments. Um, it's just natural. It, it's part of being a human being. And once we can work through those things ourselves, um, that might raise our frequency enough to be able to connect with these people. Because another thing that, that people who have died uh, say is that these emotions are lower frequency emotions, things like anger, guilt, etc., fear. Um, these things are things that slow us down, slow our, our vibrations down. And when, when we're uh, vibrating at a, at a lesser level, a slower, a lower frequency, from what I've been told from people who, who are spirit people, people who claim to be spirits through a medium that I sit with every week, um, in order for, for them to make contact with us, uh, they need us to sort of raise our vibrations a bit. And they say that they actually have to slow their vibrations down a bit to meet somewhere in the middle. So given all of that, it could totally make sense to me uh, what you said, that, that once, you, once you cleared out some of the, the issues that you had, um, then you found yourself making more contact. That, that could help explain uh, why some, something like that might happen. Yeah, it's just it's so um, fascinating. And I guess uh, one of the things that surprises me is why it's not so common. Um, you know, there's it's, it's like anything else. There's a new awareness about it. The four-minute mile, here we go. You know, the the mm. the healings that people can have. Here we go. You know, the power of homeopathy and things like that. Okay, here we, here you go. It 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 I don't know, it, it just seems to me like this is um my own perception of course from my own window. But it but more and more activity is starting to happen about this conversation. Like I said, Eben Alexander um, yeah. many other writers, there's, there's a new friend in Santa Barbara that his book is getting ready to come out in Simon Schuster, uh, where people can travel with the consciousness of the person dying. That's somebody you need to know. Mm. If you email me at templehays at Gmail, I'll send you the information of these people. Um, because it's, it's powerful, the conversation, the language, um, the things that could happen with critical mass, with other people joining together too, yeah. because yeah. Um, you know, for some people, it's this, this is everyday language, you know. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, yeah, it, I mean, and it could be more common ground, but in some cases, more has more power. You know, just like the secret. You know, everybody's secret. It's like, right, well, for all right. of us, vision board and those kind of things, it's like. 
okay, that's not new, but for the world of having a bunch of people coming together at the same time saying the same things, but in their own language, it was uh, transformative. So anyway, that's what keeps showing up with me that I think yeah. that that to join forces with others too would be really powerful because this is, uh, I, I think this is going to uh, awaken in a greater way the heart of our humanity. And, and we could use that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I definitely agree with you that it seems to me that this is um, at the forefront more so than it had been um, of, of, um, of the zeitgeist sort of. It's sort of just in the air. And, and I feel it's my, 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 again, my own instinct, my own intuition tells me that uh, as a planet, we've probably gone through cycles over and over again. Um, the, you know, if we look at back at, you know, the Tibetan Book of the Dead or the Egyptian Book of the Dead, I mean, the, there have been cultures in the past who have been very connected to, to this idea um, that, that, that there's much more than the uh, world that we experience through our senses, our five senses. Um, and it's only fairly recently in, in as far as human history goes that we've gotten sort of cut off from that aspect of things, right? We, we started to revere science. Um, and, and as I've said, I love science. I'm a big fan of what science has accomplished. But one of the downsides that I see to science um, is that it has maybe cut us off in some senses from these, um, from these uh, awarenesses of more than this physical world. I, I think we've probably in the past had times when as a planet – We've been more connected to those things. Uh, but once the, you know, the Industrial Revolution happened and, and science, because there was a long period in our, in our history when scientists were um, in danger, you know, the, when the church held quite a lot of sway, uh, you know, when Galileo, as everyone knows, he looked through his telescope and he said, uh-oh, looks maybe like the sun is uh, not going around the earth, you know, and the church uh, did not like that at all, and and he was you know put under house arrest and uh, threatened with execution and and all of that, and and so science had to go underground for a long time, um, and, it, and then in the Enlightenment, you know, um, the science began to uh, hold more sway, and then once science became sort of the victor, for lack of a better word. Um, over religion, and, 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 and I don't really like putting it that way, but, but uh, you know, scientists no longer had to hide, in other words. <laughs> they were uh, no longer, the church could no longer take a scientist and put them under house arrest. Um, once science uh, came more to the forefront, I, I think scientists, even to this day, maybe they, ha they might have a fear uh, of, of going back to a time when, quote-unquote, superstition uh, ruled the day. So I think there's probably a whole lot of psychology going on to all of this uh, and deep-seated fears, uh, and, and I think that may be one of the reasons why science has been sort of so cut off from the spiritual side of things um, and why great scientists today who are looking into this stuff and coming up with fantastic results uh, proving to them that the mainstream scientific materials paradigm is incorrect, uh, those scientists are still facing a very much an uphill battle. 
getting this stuff out into the mainstream. And, and I think that might be why, that they're still sort of fighting against um, uh, th- this, uh, th- this issue that, that they had in the past uh, where, where science was sort of um, held under the thumb of other, other institutions. So I think that we're now at a point, I think you're right, where things are starting to shift. This is more in the air. There are better documentaries happening about this. There's this whole UFO thing that's, that's happening. Oh, now. that's weird. And, uh, I was just getting ready to say that. Uh-oh, you're in my brain now. Uh- Here we <laughs> go. You're in my brain, telepathy. I was just getting ready to say that. I attended a class. I was 21 with a nuclear scientist and he gave a talk and said at the time that the government knows that UFOs are real, but they wouldn't um, disperse the information because they did not feel the American population could handle it. And that, you know, people would flip out or, you know, whatever. And now look at it, you know, look at, it's yeah. in the news. It's like, oh, we thought we saw one, did we? I mean, you know, you're right. But and and not to just totally take over. But what were you going to say about that as well? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. Um, I, I think the fact that this is becoming um, much less taboo and that people are openly talking about it now, including military officials, I think that's going to have an effect on our consciousness at large, our consciousness in general, you know, once we say, once, once officialdom admits that there are things in the sky, in the ocean, um, that we do not understand, that operate in a way that completely uh, defy what we thought the laws of physics were. And of course, they're not defying the laws of physics. They're simply telling us we don't know what the laws of physics are yet. Um, and that is a really fascinating place to be in history when we are admitting, oh, wait a minute, apparently we don't know how the universe works because these things are doing things that we thought were impossible. So once, you know, as as uh, Lewis Carroll wrote in Alice in Wonderland, you know, uh, I, I sometimes have believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Once we once we allow one impossible thing to enter our consciousness, I think it will tend to open up our consciousness um, in many other ways as well. And, you know. Uh, I'm very involved, very interested in this whole UFO thing. My, my good friend is Leslie Kane, who is the New York Times journalist who broke the, the Pentagon story in 2017. And she's now, um, you know, all over all, all over the story. So I spend a lot of time uh, in my daily life uh, looking at this stuff. Um, so there does appear to be, you know, these things are not necessarily... Uh, physical craft all the time. I mean, some might be. Some appear to be something else, and it appears that consciousness is involved in, in, in this whole thing. Consciousness might affect, might help create some of this stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that this topic is going to really sort of be a, a watershed moment um, for the expansion of our consciousness and awareness in general. Yeah, absolutely. It's time. I I celebrate that. And I'm going to be able to say, I knew that guy when I was sitting in my office. It was May the 19th and he was just talking away. And now look, <laughs> look at what is I just hold that and and want to see that is true. I think that's just um, really powerful. 
you know, of, of what is what is possible. I was reflecting upon um, because James Van Prague is uh, he's I would say he's more than an acquaintance of mine, um, but you know he's a psychic medium and um, you know he advised the the TV show Ghost Whisperer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do yeah. you remember? Um, you're a lot younger than the rest of us, and if you don't remember, please don't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> do you no, remember, remember Ghost Whisperer? I, I remember because I, I know Alison Dubois, who is the uh, the real life medium that it was based on. I'm, I'm familiar with her, uh, so okay. so I do know the show. Yes, yes. Okay, because that you know that that had that flair with Jennifer Love about the experience. Uh, the it was it, it's different than what we're talking about, but at least it highlighted you know that the spirits were still around. The consciousness of the people were still around, and um, it was wonderful. You know, for five years it did very well. Um, but it, yeah, these are just exciting times that we're that we're living in, and um, you know, hold the course because um, the glass ceiling is being broken a lot. You know, and we need it. We need to get yeah, over this absolutely. brand new, you know, human-made. 12th, 13th century story that we live in a box and this is it. And this is all we'll ever have. We've got to get back to ancient teaching and knowing and, and that level of connection. We use such a small portion of our, of our mind, um, you know, um, and we limit ourselves when we do that. And, and, and any conversation like this is expansive, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it makes people think out of their, everyday structure um it's so necessary yeah it is and it's going to really change change the world you know i mean there, there was a great study done uh i think i write about this in the book and i'm forgetting the name of the scientist right now a psychiatrist but she did a study about um psychic ability and what she found uh esp she found when she gave an esp test so, you know, do you, you know, what do you think this card is? A star, a square, a circle, or whatever. People who came into the test believing in psychic ability did better on the psychic ability test than people who came into it who did not believe in it. So that alone suggests that our own beliefs, our own, uh, our own consciousness, where it is right now, affects uh, the, how, how, how um, present that sort of thing is in our own lives. So as more and more people start to experience this and it gets more and more accepted, um, you know, there was just this very well done story about UFOs on 60 Minutes the other night and it was done without irony. It was done, uh, it was the first time I think ever maybe that a news story was done in a very serious way with a very serious tone about this topic. So as these things start to open up in all of our minds, um, you know, maybe we all become a little more psychic. We become all become maybe a little more sensitive, a little more empathetic, um, can feel each other a a little bit better. Um, And I think it changes the world for the better. Well, you know, um, I was telling you earlier about my friend. She actually was a unity minister, and I was 30, and she was 40 when she died. And I was saying, I didn't elaborate, but she communicates with me with her birthday, 111. It shows up everywhere. What I didn't tell you is one year I did a new vision board, 
And right after that, mm-hmm. I was talking to a psychic friend of mine, and she said, you remember that lady that she always comes through? She died when she was young, and she's really close to you. And I went, yeah, Beverly. She goes, she said to tell you that the new car you put on your vision board, you're going to get it, but be flexible with the color. Hello. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> Come on now. You can't make this stuff up. You know, I mean, you can't make it up. I mean, I didn't tell anyone I'd done this vision board. Um, But there you go. Isn't that, that was a new level for me that I had not experienced before. Yeah, that's so fantastic. And and when you have an experience like that, uh, it just really opens you up. It opens up your life. It opens up your your, your sense of what's possible. Uh, so I'm I'm so glad that you had that experience. And I, you know that that that's really the the point of my book is that um, you know reading books is is fine and great, but until you have uh, a face-to-face experience like this for yourself, um, you know, it, nothing can have the impact of having a direct experience. So I encourage people to, to go out there uh, and look into this stuff uh, and find, uh, you know, there are a lot of fantastic mediums out there. You don't, you don't have to, uh, uh, you know, go to John Edward or one of these super famous people who have five years long waiting lists. You know, there, there are lots of good ones out there. If people can go to the foreverfamilyfoundation.org, by the way, all of the mediums on their certified list have been tested uh, using controlled uh, experiments. And they've all uh, been found to have true mediumistic ability, all of the people on that list. So, um, yeah, I, I, I want everyone on the planet to experience what you just talked about, to have that experience of, oh, my God. This is real. I mean, that'll just change everything. It does. And you know what? I mean, the ultimate thing underneath, like with your title, Love Dad, when you know these things and you have these experiences, you're not afraid to love because you can never be hurt. There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You are not afraid to love. You love everybody with a full heart and you believe in just natural karma. And it's all beautiful. Mike Anthony, you have been a blessing, not only in my life today, but all our listeners. Everyone, go to MikeAnthony.com. Thank you, dear sir, for the work you're doing in the world. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. 
contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.